Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can find me personally at Justin Bizarro, again, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. And if you want to listen to this show or any of the other shows we do, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And in order to find the other shows I do, all you have to do is type in my last name again, B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O for anyone who doesn't understand the doubles or writes it incorrectly. There's a lot of people that write one Z or one R. It is double in both. So that being said, I have another very special guest with us. She's back. Bella of Rockin' Burgers out of Boston, Massachusetts. How are you doing today, Bella? Good, thank you. Thank you so much for having me again. It's quite a pleasure to be here. <laughs> it's awesome. I love your accent. I know that's probably people say that all the time, but I'm a world traveler, so I love different dialects. I love different accents. I love different experiences. So, um, And my roommate was from Boston so in college, so or one of my roommates and fraternity brothers. And then after I got out of school, I lived with him for about two years. So it brings me back to those days of rooting for the Red Sox and the, the Patriots all day long. He, he did a lot of that. And even the, the Revolution, I think, is the soccer team there. I can't always remember. Um, oh, and the Celtics, of course. So you guys got quite the franchises up there. Do you watch any sports, Bella, or are you, just, are you a food person? I do. Um, I'm a massive hockey fan. Ah. I love going to the Bruins games um, all the time. I try to catch a few playoff games. Uh, this year they didn't make it very far, unfortunately. But um, I try to catch uh, Red Sox games as well when I can. I'll catch any sort of game, to be honest with you. Well, and that's awesome. And I like hockey, too. When I was in Nashville... Um, I was like walking distance to downtown and there and the predators play right downtown on Broadway. And so like getting, we I got to go to a bunch of games and things like that. I got a lot of tickets there and took guests. And so some, some of those individuals have been on this podcast from Nashville, but I do have, I'm a soccer fan. Like it's my number one thing, like real playing soccer. So I appreciate that sport, but hockey is the closest thing to it. I feel like in the, the well-roundedness of the athletes having to go up and down the court or the ice, uh, the field. And so I really enjoy hockey as well, but I agree with you. I'm the same way. If it's a sporting event and I get to go see it in person, I like going, I'm not, I don't do as well on TV, like with the world cup and, um, and Manchester United are probably the only teams I actually are only things I really watch on TV sporting wise. But I guess if there's a good game or a good playoff game or a good finals. Oh, I love watching uh, Stephon Curry. That dude's a fucking phenomenal uh, basketball player, by the way. He's just amazing to watch. And his new documentary on uh, Apple, anyone who's listening in as an entrepreneur, even in the food game, you should watch that. The small little guy who was too short to play basketball, too small to play basketball, has won how many championships? Five. Okay, so... Uh, it's pretty impressive. At least I'm pretty sure it's five. Maybe it's four. But either way, it's a great video to uh, a great documentary to watch. So let's start off with this question since I sort of just teed it off in sports. Uh, but let's dive right in. One, well, before I dive into that, tell me about your business. What is Rocking Burgers? Let's give the audience a refresher. Um, and for the audience, anyone who's listening in, if you go back and listen to episode 301, it was released on April 17th, 2023. You can listen to Bella's first episode. But 
talk to me about your business. What is it? What do you do? Um, and sort of quickly tell us how you got to your business and, and how you came up with the idea, just to give everyone a refresher. Sure, not a problem. So Rockin' Burgers, um, we're a food truck uh, based out of Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, we specialize in gourmet burgers and fried chicken sandwiches. Um, we actually have a ghost kitchen in Boston opening up um, in the middle of September. So we'll be permanently open all year now because uh, we usually shut down for four months out of the year with the food truck. But um, we have all sorts of specialty burgers. We do Mac Monsters, which is just a bunch of mac and cheese right on top of a burger with bacon. Uh, we do burgers with onion rings. and We have weekly specials um, all the time. We always try to change up the menu, keep it exciting um, for our customers to keep coming back. With how I got into the food truck and the food business was my dad owned restaurants when I was really little. And I always wanted to be a part of it, whether I was washing dishes or cleaning tables or making pizzas. I started uh, when I was nine years old. I went to college for a little bit. Um, got out of the food business. I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. And a year into it, I started managing another taco truck on the South Shore here. And I decided that I wanted to drop out of college and start my own. So my dad helped fund me, and here we are today. I love this. I love your. Um, I really love your background, and uh, I love your story. Like. How old are you, Bella? And if you don't want to say that's okay, but I think I would just love for the audience to know how ambitious you are. I'm 21. There you we, go. Um, <laughs> we opened when I was 20. Yeah. So you're a young entrepreneur. You're hustling a game. And I would totally love this because I was 18 when I started in the food game and food service partners. And I had partners and stuff. And I had a father who guided me and, and helped me in the business as well. And his business partner named Bob Dunn, he was two phenomenal individuals who helped guide me. One was in operations finance, one was in marketing and business uh, development. And both those skills helped me immensely. But I got to learn a lot about food at a young age. So it's very, a lot of people start their entrepreneurial journey later on in life. But like your, your nice story, I think I feel is similar. And you're already growing your business. You're one year in and you're expanding into a ghost kitchen. So I was going to go off on a different commentary or tangent, but let's talk about the ghost kitchen. Okay, let's talk about how you figured this out, how you decided to grow, um, why a ghost kitchen. Talk to me a little bit about this decision um, that you've made to expand your business in that way in a brick and mortar instead of, like, say, a second food truck. Sure. Um, so I've wanted to expand uh, for a little bit now. We've talked about getting a second truck. And during the winter, I was actually reached out to via Instagram by a company called Cloud Kitchens. And they host uh, ghost kitchens all over the country. Um, and they're opening one up in Boston. And I decided to check it out. Honestly, I wasn't really familiar with what a ghost kitchen was. And it's a, it's a great way to just be able to cook. And you don't have to worry about anything else um you only need chefs in the kitchen and that's all staff wise and you know since covid uh great staff has been really really difficult to find 
So this was the best way for me to expand, stay open all year long, and keep everybody employed all year long. I love this because um, I am seeing, and I do believe this is true, there is a, a rising trend again in chicken sandwiches, fried chicken sandwiches, chicken sandwiches in general. It's a big market, and, and we're going to see a rise in it, or sandwiches in general that are hot, okay, whether it's bison meat or you talk about burgers chicken could be alligator we're gonna elk we're gonna see a rise in these type of things again i believe because the pendulum is going to swing the other way and and people like handheld food to go they're also in the ghost kitchens um and, or in the cloud kitchens we're starting to see a lot more acceptance of that in the delivery game like a lot of people are ordering food uh to their homes a lot of people uh we are on this crazy trend since covid where everyone went home you think we'd be cooking more in our homes but we're not. We're ordering more out. We're ordering more delivery, which also in turn, if anyone's seeing the grocery store prices go up, it's also because there's less people buying groceries. Uh, and I know that they're going to be like, oh, is it really? But it is. Okay. Uh, also, it's because of the rising prices. People aren't spending as much uh, volume-wise. While the dollars may continue to go up, the volume of food is going down. The comp, they're eating out more. They are finding cheaper options. Um, and I will tell you that if you go to the grocery store and you buy your food and you buy dinner, buy your dinner for four people and try to make it, it often costs as much as getting delivery or from something like get four chicken sandwiches, fries for everyone and a drink, and you almost spend as much trying to feed your family from the grocery store every day. It's kind of crazy. And that's why companies are doing deals, stuff like that. You see McDonald's getting pretty aggressive out there. That's one everyone knows, so that's why I mention it. Because their delivery game is going through the roof, so they're they're they understand that the consumers, the the people in the food um, business, are also just like them. They're having to to pivot, so they're pivoting as well. And the consumers' tastes have changed. And to your point, we don't have any workers anymore. There is literally constantly a lack of employees in the food game. It's the weirdest thing. Like I don't know whether our immigration policies need to change. Or whatever, and and it, that my opinion is that it does. We need to allow in immigrants. Uh, we need to open up our borders a little bit to allow in food service workers or anyone who's willing to. But the problem is, is where everyone wanted to come to the United States before, we don't have that same, should I say, massive amount of of individuals who want to come here like we did before. So that has to do with we're not the same country we were before COVID. So I laid a lot out there. It's not for, for, for Bella's to worry about, I guess, but in some ways it is because our economics drive our business. So talk to me about a cloud kitchen. Like, how does it work? Do, like, do you, is it an empty space? Do they have the delivery drivers come? Like, you mentioned only needing the chefs. Like, do you have to provide the equipment? How do you, how do you build this thing? Um, how do you get it off the ground? Because it's a different concept, and I don't think we really discussed the actual inner workings ever on this show. Sure. Um, so what they give you is a hood system uh, with an answer system. And then they also give you like a three base sink. Um, you have to supply everything else yourself. What it is, is it's like a big building and there's 26 different kitchens in there. And they have their own front of house staff to handle the deliveries. So all you do is make the food, put it outside your door and they take care of the rest. I love this. And so you just basically put in your fryers, you put in your your 
ovens or whatever you use your cooktops maybe it's a griddle i don't know but uh, do you have more space in a food truck can you do your prep work from your food truck in there as well i mean does it help you does it complement the food truck in any way to help you run that oh absolutely um because it's all it's basically going to be the same menu the same products so i don't have to have a completely different menu for the ghost kitchen and then a completely different menu for the food truck so i can kind of cross prep everything there's plenty of room in there to prep and keep storage for both the food truck and the kitchen which is great i have full walk-in access um, freezer access dry storage um, just about everything i love this um, it's such a cool thing that a company's done that I know there's other ones out there. I believe there's ghost kitchens as well. They call themselves. Um, there's, I think that one was started by the, the founder of Uber and there's a bunch of different ones out there. So I think a way to expand your food game from a food truck and not to mention, um, expand your game from a food truck. It's great, but also there's multiple ones around the country. So if it works in one country, you can actually grow your business around the country using these ghost kitchens potentially if rocking burgers like become something that you want in more than one city absolutely they have them all across uh they said i could open one in los angeles miami <laughs> wherever i want i just have to let them know i love it so let's talk about let's go back to before i got in this um questioning uh let's go back to my some of my original questions we talked about the athletes and we talked about you know, these great athletes out there are, are sports. And, like, let's go back to who, for you, like, growing up, um, who were the leaders that really inspired you? Who were the, the maybe they were entrepreneurs, maybe they were sport um, athletes, uh, professional athletes. Wow, I can't talk today. And that's what happens when you take, like, two weeks off. And... Talk to me a little bit about that. Like how, who motivated you? Who, who do you look up to? Maybe it still exists. Like what were the people that you idolized growing up for lack of a better term? Um, so we'll start with uh, a sports player who really inspired me to like never give up and always try to do better. Uh, the Patriots, he's retired now, unfortunately, uh, Julian Edelman. He was a wide receiver for them for a long time, and I followed him, like, to the T, and he actually inspired me to play football for a little bit and to not listen to what other people say. I don't know if you're familiar with his story, but he was really short. They told him that he could never play football and that he was too small. And he was a quarterback for Kent State, and he actually converted himself into a wide receiver uh, so he'd get drafted by the NFL. This is a cool story. I love this. And um, you just talked to me about playing football a little bit because I think that just shows why you're an entrepreneur at the age of 20 and now 21. Um, what? So is your family into football? Like, Talk to me about your wanting to play football growing up. So my uncle, um, he always, when he was alive, he always got me into sports. Uh, we started by just watching Bruins games together. Um, he'd come over on Monday and Friday nights, and whenever he was over, we would watch the Bruins. And it kind of just expanded uh, my sports palette 
that's what I'll call it, a little bit. And we slowly started getting into football, into baseball, into basketball. Um, he's the one that really um, inspired me to start doing and watching sports. Did you play other sports? I mean, talk to me about what it was like to be a woman in football. Did you play with boys? Was there women's leagues? Just talk, I mean, I'm not, I don't know because my stepkids or myself, I didn't play football at all. So it wasn't my sport. But talk, I mean, how does that work? How did it work for you? So I went to a tech school, so they only had um, a guy's football team. I played my freshman year of high school. And at the time, I was like four foot 11, 95 pounds. <laughs> but that didn't stop me or scare me um, into getting into football. There was a lot of guys who supported me and always helped me out. And, you know, there's a few that just didn't want girls on the team. Yeah, I get that. Um, not that I understand it, but I can. I get that that's, people don't understand when it's something different, they rebel against it or don't understand it. But everyone has a place, you know, and can find, find something. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that or feel the rejection, but it probably gave you thicker skin uh, maybe in the long run. At least I hope it did. It certainly did. So... Um, Let's and, and so we talked about. Um, I thought you were going to say Tom Brady, honestly, because a lot of people say that. But I'm glad you talked about someone else. And I'm kind of familiar with this story, um, not fully, but I, I do love that he pivoted number one to follow his dream. He also didn't let his height or what everyone else said about him um, to stop him. He used it as the steam to power his dream, almost. It's like to prove everyone wrong and or prove himself right. I guess. There is a difference there, guys. Like when you want to prove yourself right, it's about you and focus on you and your growth. When you're trying to prove other people wrong, you're focused on them. Just a mindset thing and a little mindset trick that I've learned over the years. So who else? Is there anyone else? Um, what? Who else motivates you, inspires you, um, has been influential in your life? Uh, my dad. My dad is like my number one motivator and supporter. He's there every day. I actually moved out for a little bit and then moved back in because I missed him so much. <laughs> um, he's there every day by my side on that truck, no matter how hot it is. And he always, always, always gives me new ideas, new ways to do things. Um, he's just phenomenal. And I can't say enough about him. If I said all the great things about him i think we'd be on this podcast all day um he's just amazing i love this uh i really love that and i think parenting's good i you know and as you know one of the things i think when we have good parents we pass on good parenting to our children and um good parents understand their shortcomings and they want us not to be like them you know my dad for example, he's been a huge, um, someone I looked up to, he got, you know, and, uh, he gave, he's been a part of my life for a long time. He's a little hard on me. Uh, I will say rough on me even verbally. And, um, but I will say in the long run, what he taught me is that I don't have to be that way. He's not doing, he's, he is who he is and I need to pick up the good things from him, but I also need to learn from the bad things and do the opposite or something different, learn my own way. And, I think that that's important to have parents. And I think, 
your dad, I remember from the first episode, he's just been such a pivotal point of your life and, and getting in food and getting the food truck and choosing the path that you've chosen in life. And you're, you're having success, right? This is a beautiful thing. So yeah. is there anyone else? Uh, we mentioned, you know, the Patriot. I can't remember his name. Edelman, right? That's who we're yep. talking about. Yeah. And, um, and now your dad, who else? Uh, my grandmother has always supported me. Um, she is the one who taught my dad how to cook and how to do everything. My dad wasn't into burgers. He was into Italian food. Yeah, get that. And he still, uh, he still wants to start a pizza truck. Um, so that's in the talks as well. But my grandmother, um, she kind of taught me really how to start cooking. I mean, me and her would make scrambled eggs in the kitchen when I was five years old. Uh, she taught me how to roll meatballs. She taught me how to make chicken cutlets. Um, and she she's still living with us. And at the end of the day, you know, after I come home from work, she just she's just always there as a support system, which is great. You know, calls me great job. Just things that sometimes you need to hear at the end of the day if it's a long day. I love that. I love that she's still around. And I totally my I, my grandmother passed when I was. Uh, 12 years old, 11, 12, somewhere around there. Uh, I can't remember exactly. Yeah, it was about 11 going on 12. It was right a month before I turned 12. Uh, but it was Valent- I was uh, Thanksgiving, actually, which is like Thanksgiving. It brings me all sorts of anxiety. I lose pets and family members around that holiday all the time. It's kind of strange. But it's um, it's interesting because I think that learning how to cook, like I would say that overall me personally it's the same like I didn't learn it from my parents I didn't learn it from my environment um and at food service partners uh and other companies I've had I've learned from the chefs I've learned a lot of techniques from the classically trained chefs but nothing no one ever taught me more about the combination of food particularly Italian cooking or or European cooking in general which does translate into other parts of the world uh and technique and stuff which anyone who knows like flavor combinations and the the making of the meatballs and the chicken cutlets i love that like pounding them out and and you know in latin culture latin american culture it's milanesa it's almost the same thing and um i probably didn't pronounce it right but i agree with you i think like having that foundation of a grandparent or grandmother that passes down those tradition those recipe books the the things that matter um are so significant and it's really cool when that happens it's really cool when we're able to learn from those who have come before us because that's the point and we should do the same for our grandchildren we should teach them how to be cooks and be chefs and make good food and and nutritious food for our families from scratch whole foods you know that's one of the things like everyone's like whatever but we made pasta from scratch we made pasta sauce from scratch all sorts of different kinds you know, I learned all different ways to make meatballs, and we made our own sausages sometimes, and hot dogs even, and it was just such a cool experience. Uh, got I really got an appreciation of Italian cold cuts and meats and, and the way that they're done. So I like this subject matter. Um, let me ask you a question. What was your favorite thing that you used to cook with your grandmother? 
Uh, meatballs was definitely uh, my favorite thing. It's uh, kind of tedious. It's not too tricky, but it does take a lot of uh, manual labor, mixing everything up, especially in big batches. Uh, but that's definitely one of my favorite and most rewarding because they're so good. <laughs> she has such a great uh, marinara sauce as well. Uh, my dad was actually able to replicate the recipe. And now um, we sell bottles and food service. Uh, Nona Bella's marinara sauce has been out for a couple of years now. And it's um, had quite the takeoff. Wow, I like this a lot, actually. No wonder the the pizza food trucks, it should be a pizza and pasta food truck. So you, while the pizza is cooking, you can also be dishing out tons of pasta. Because I think there is not enough pasta food trucks out there. I keep telling her, whenever it's like it gets more and more complicated, I'm like, no, what is missing? Pasta. We don't have any pasta food trucks. I agree with pizza, though, too. And, and, and there's, uh, pizza is a big growing industry right now. And people are like, oh, it's saturated. It's not even close. Pizza is, will be forever something humans eat on a massive scale and is growing just like burgers. And so, but I love the pasta sauce. I love the pasta in general. I think it's such a comfort food. Like even if you talked about your macaroni and cheese, that's still a pasta, okay, that that you're putting on the burger. And so for the audience, I just want to anchor that, that the, the thing that's missing or anyone who's out there in the audience, pasta food trucks, like with different types of pasta, even if you made it like, um, I don't know, I can't remember, Noodles and Company does a great job of using different concepts from around the world for their restaurants. They're just not a food truck they don't get the food truck and their business is declining a little bit not because people don't want pasta but again it's because of the delivery service it's because of the food truck business and like food truck rallies and stuff like that so bella i'm, I'm going to go on to some more questions here um when you decided at 20 years old to be a food entrepreneur and get into the food truck game, how has your life changed? What's the difference now that you're a food entrepreneur versus who you were, say, at 19 years old? So my life has changed um, definitely in a lot of ways. Uh, before, I worked a lot, but I still had a decent amount of work-life balance um, ever since I took this business. Um, it's definitely hard to say the same. Uh, I wouldn't change anything for the world, but now you never can really go to bed at night without thinking about business. Before I was just able to go home from my job and go do what I needed to do um, and just not think about my job till the next time I had to go to my job. Now that's all I think about. Um, once we're done with events for the day, it doesn't end. Um, I'm answering DMs from Facebook and Instagram and answering emails and writing contracts and it kind of makes you grow up really quick. Um, it's definitely matured me a lot more. I've always thought I was a little bit more mature um, than normal but this has really made me into a full-fledged adult um, before I'm even at college graduation age. I would say that also probably growing up in an Italian family, we mature faster in our families. Our families prepare us for life. And this is just a cultural thing. And I know everyone's going to be like, whatever. And they're going to say I'm biased. But And I am only half Italian. Let's just be honest. The other half is Native American and, 
and Dutch, like on the border of the Netherlands and Germany, Pennsylvania Dutch to be specific, if you're in the United States. And they've been here a long time, and obviously the Native American side or the indigenous side has been here forever. So, I but there's the core values, and there's this work ethic and maturity that happens. Like, just like your grandmother, she allowed you to be a part of something. It's like, no, 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 this is my kitchen. You guys go play with your toys. No, it's very like, you come do this with me. You come experience life with me. Here's chores. Here's life experiences. Oh, you want to play football? Um, Bella, life cannot stop you from your dreams. You go play football regardless of if it's a male sport or there's all boys on the team, you know? And so I think that that's a big part of this and part of your journey. And why? one of the reasons as I went back and listened to the first episode, and I asked you to do a part two is because there is this such a strong foundation that I didn't realize I had when I was your age. But compared to my peers, my peers were just trying to get through college. And, you know, the biggest thing they had in life was maybe playing on a sports team in college and joining a fraternity or sorority. While I was in college, I'm running, I'm starting food service partners. <clears throat> I'm also working on a company called Millennium Bridge that I was building a basic electron- online electronics store. I was going to classes, I was playing soccer, I was in a fraternity, but we're able to take on more because of this background that our that our families have. So it's it's just one of those things that I think is hugely important. And I think that um, for you, you're, <clears throat> sorry guys, I'm losing my voice, is that um, you're able to grow from this. So I'm gonna ask a question so I can get some water in my throat. <clears> throat> What would you say the your best core values are or the core values of leaders? We mentioned your grandmother, your father, uh, elderman. What are the qualities or core values or virtues of those individuals that you look up to and you want to emulate or you've sort of been able to put into your own integrity and character? Absolutely. Um, obviously, one of them is uh, work ethic. I come from a family that works super hard and work uh, night and day to get things done. And I think that's super important being an entrepreneur. Um, I believe what you put into your business is what you get out of it. So if you're only putting, you know, five, 10 hours a week into your business, um, you're probably not going to get as much out of it as somebody that's putting 80 to a hundred hours a week into their business. Um, unfortunately, that's just the way it is. Um, I also believe honesty is super, super important, uh, not only with other people, but with yourself. If something's not working correctly, you have to be honest with yourself and know that it's not going right. Instead of being in denial about something, um, you just have to assess every problem. You have to be honest with your family. You have to be honest with clients and you have to be honest with your um, staff and it makes for better relationships with everybody all around i agree with you 100 percent on this actually and i think it is important i think when you carry that integrity over to your businesses that it really does matter and um and when you live by these core values, they become part of your business as an entrepreneur. Like our businesses are a reflection of us. They're basically our children. And particularly in the United States, they almost emulate us. They become reflections of us. So like 
Let's let's talk about your menu a little bit again. I want to talk about it in detail, specifically the chicken sandwiches and the burgers. And I know we talked about it in the first episode, but let's sort of go through your menu a little bit. What are the items on your menu? Like, what does that look like, um, specifically the burgers and the chicken sandwiches? And how do you come up with new menu items or new ideas or specials or things that sort of keep things interesting and, and for lack of a better term, lively? Um, so for burgers, I always keep five burgers um, on my everyday menu. You'll see them all year round every day. And chicken sandwiches, I keep two of them on my menu year round. And what I do is I'll add a new burger on every week and as well as a new chicken sandwich on every week. Um, so everybody will get something different if they want to. Um, I have just a regular classic cheeseburger, which has lettuce, tomato, and pickle. And um, the bacon burger is just like that, except it has nice, uh, thick cut applewood bacon on it. I have um, the cowboy burger, which has the same thick cut applewood bacon, beer battered onion rings, and barbecue sauce. And I have a sunrise burger, which is like a bacon, egg, and cheese burger. Uh, with a nice sunny side up, uh, delicious fried egg. So once you squish that bun down, like the yolk, you know, starts running uh, right down the burger. And it's probably one of my favorites um, of all time that we have. And my, I have a hand-breaded uh, fried chicken sandwich. It's my own recipe. Um, it took me nine months to, like, finalize it and be happy with it. <laughs> We, uh, we did a lot of taste testing um, for that one. And I use that same batter um, for all my special fried chicken sandwiches. And then I have a grilled chicken sandwich, which comes with um, lettuce, tomato, tomato, and honey mustard. And it's out of this world. It's kind of like a zesty chicken. And it's really, really, really popular. Um, we usually sell out. And I apologize to anybody that wants a grilled chicken sandwich, and <laughs> we keep running out of them. That's um, incredible. That's incredible. I love that. Keep talking. I'm sorry, but I love this, yeah. that you, the, 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 just the basic grilled chicken sandwich is one of your most popular items. And it's crazy. You would never think that a, just a grilled chicken sandwich would sell as well as it does. Um, so... To go back on your other question of how I come up with things, um, there's actually a few ways I come up with them. Sometimes it's just me in the middle of the night thinking of something that might work. And then, you know, I have to go to my kitchen and test it out in really small batches and have people taste test it. Um, another thing is I let my staff come up with things and we test it right on the truck and try it out and I'll hand out samples to customers if we're at food truck nights. Hey, what do you think of this? Should we put it on the menu? Um, and it usually goes very well. Uh, one of my staff members came up with a chicken cordon bleu sandwich, which had um, fried chicken, prosciutto, um, bear with me on this, sautéed onions, and then it had a creamy Dijon sauce on it. And it was like one of the best-selling chicken sandwiches besides the regular one that I've had. And it was absolutely out of this world. 
I love this. I love the way you're creating it. And I love the idea of letting your guests sample it because I don't think enough food trucks give away food for people to sample as a way. And again, I think this is the best way to do it. I don't think a buy one, get one free does a great job because then you're you're lowering the value of your food. But if you're trying something new and you're giving something a free, you're getting people's buy-in and loyalty to your business. I think there's a big difference there. I think too many people try gimmicks and while they do work, um, the buy one, get one freeze or whatever, people then expect a lower value. It's like McDonald's right now. They're doing this thing where you can get like two McDoubles or a McDouble and a McChicken and a Mc, or two McChickens. And you they're three. It's like three thirty nine or something for two or three ninety nine for two of them. Well, now no one's going to actually pay three dollars and 19 cents for a McChicken by itself when that special ends. Everyone's like, huh, I used to get two sandwiches for $3.99. Okay. And so I get the gimmick. They sell a lot of them. But when you try to go backwards off of the sales gimmick, people's expectations change and it becomes hard for them to do it. Um, and any of those gimmicks, and I'm going to use McDonald's again as an example. I think they do like a $6 McChicken medium fries, medium drink. Okay. They're just an easy one to choose from me because their marketing is outstanding. But the problem is, is no one's ever going to pay. Uh, it's actually not a McChicken. It's a McCrispy. Okay, there's a difference. And from the McChicken and the McCrispy. But it's, you can get it spicy or regular. But now no one's going to pay the normal $10 for the chicken sandwich meal, a medium drink ever again, because they've had this $6 special going on so long. I mean, I wouldn't. I'd be like, what? wait a second, what happened to my $6 meal? Okay, and so... And I also choose McDonald's, guys, because my first word as a kid was French fry. I was a mom or dad. It was French fry. I was born to be in the food game. I was born to be an entrepreneur. It's just what went <laughs> in my head. So, And funny thing is, is I have a mild allergy to white potatoes where my hands peel every time I eat them. So, um, like, literally the skin peels off my hands. It's kind of gross in some ways, but it's kind of interesting. I know what I'm allergic to pretty quickly in the food game because my hands, elbows, and knees react but I can eat a mild amount of, of white potatoes and still somewhat be okay. But anyway, I'm, that's enough information out of me. This is about Bella's and Bella's episode. So I like this a lot, what you're doing with your and how you market your business. And you allow these at the food truck rallies or the food truck nights, you're allowing the customers to be a part of your decision making. They should, it, they should be a part of your decision making and your staff and giving them the ability to create sandwiches and ideas, um, I think, it, or plates or dishes, however, I don't know how far it expands, but I think it's so essential and you're doing the right thing. So, and I've been doing this a long time, and that's exactly the attitude that people don't do. You know, one of the things that McDonald's always has done well is they allow their franchisees to have some regional specials, but they also allow their franchisees to be creative and come up with new items that they submit to headquarters. Okay, and not a lot of food, fast food places do that. And again, I'm using McDonald's as an example, not because I believe they're the best, just because everyone knows them. And it's an easy one for anyone around the entire world who listens in since we're in 139 countries now around the world. And by the way, there's less than 200 countries, just under 200 countries around the world. So we're knocking them out pretty, pretty good here. Very proud of that. Proud of my team. Proud of everyone who's helped me get here over the last five years. So it's quite an accomplishment. But I like that you're doing that. I like that you're you have a team based environment. Maybe it's football, maybe it's watching the sports growing up as I take this full circle. But you do do that 
what is your favorite burger and what's your favorite chicken sandwich on uh, uh from your truck or from your ghost kitchen now also um i'd have to say um the sunrise burger which is the fried egg burger and the cowboy uh for burgers and definitely when i had it the chicken cordon bleu sandwich it was just it it just made the chicken sandwich so simple yet so elegant and it was like something i've just never had before um, anywhere i love this um I love that you do this, and I'm gonna again. I'll throw out another fast food chain. One of the one of the most popular sandwiches in the Northeast for Burger King when they do it is an Italian chicken sandwich. They take their traditional long chicken sandwich and they make an Italian one with uh, marinara sauce and provolone cheese. And this is where I'm like, we are not paying attention in the world, but you're doing these things. The chicken corn and blue sandwich sounds outstanding. I would eat the shit out of that sandwich. Probably two of them. <laughs> Because all of a sudden, like, I'm working out all the time. I can literally eat two burgers and two sandwiches in a sitting. And I used to not eat buns, but I'm not getting enough calories now that I'm working out all the time. So I had to integrate in uh, some uh, bread here and there into my diet carbohydrates more. So I love this. I'm going to have to get to Boston and try your food. Like, I'm really drooling all over my microphone here. And it is a brand new microphone, so I better be careful. I don't even know how much it costs. But... The, the thing being said is I don't want to ruin it, but I am literally, my mouth is salivating. I'm not kidding you. I'm like Pavlov's dog right now. The bell rang and I'm, and you rang my bell and I'm like, I'm hungry for this sandwich. What is your, are, are those your most popular uh, sandwiches as well? Or what are the most popular items in your food truck? Like you talked about, I mean, we're in the middle of summer, so this is the height of your food truck game. What are, what are the most popular items? Uh, definitely uh, smash burger, which is we take uh, two like uh, we roll the patties up into balls and then smash them on the grill. And it has like a nice crispy coating on the outside of the burger. It comes with American cheese, uh, chipotle aioli, uh, sauteed onions and lettuce. And that is definitely by far, along with the cowboy burger, um, our best selling burgers. I love it. Are you using the same menu in your ghost kitchen as you are on the truck? Or are you able to now expand both your menus? Or are you expanding the ghost kitchen menu because it's more brick and mortar? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. What's your mindset there? I mean, you have a few months before you open. But what's the mindset there in terms of your menu? Are you expanding it? Uh, So we're going to expand in the ghost kitchen um, just because I have more storage room the truck i'm probably going to keep things the same uh they're working pretty well the way they are um we have a really big truck uh, but as you know there's very limited uh storage space especially if you're doing um big jobs throughout the week if you have to feed a thousand people then there's not much room um to really keep anything else unfortunately um, I'd like to do salads at the ghost kitchen um that's something that we've had a few requests for I just don't, unfortunately, have the room for it um, at the moment. And we're going to be near a lot of hospitals. So I think that would go really, really well um, in Boston. And I just, I'm going to anchor this too, because, and I, I understand the delivery food game very well. I've done a lot of research on it the last year. 
um, even done deliveries myself to understand it even more because nothing's below me, even as a successful entrepreneur, even after we've done tens of millions of meals every year in hospitals, long-term care homes, grocery stores, direct-to-consumer uh, restaurants, etc., food trucks. I was in that as well. A lot of fried chicken, a lot of fried chicken sandwiches, which I'm like, I'm like, that's the game. Like chicken is the game right now. And I love that you're doing it. But hospital staff, okay, not, I'm not talking about the meals I used to do. I'm talking about the delivery game. Nurses and doctors order tons of food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner from delivery services. So I'm going to let everyone know that it is incredible, especially in clusters. In Lehigh Valley, Pennsylvania, they have the St. Luke system and they have the Lehigh Valley network and they keep expanding those networks. But those, the nurses and the doctors order tons of food for every meal because they don't have time to eat at the cafeteria every day. They don't have time to or, or want the same food every day. So they're looking for this expansion. And with the delivery game and the, the willingness of the delivery drivers and the ghost kitchens that are popping up, I agree with you. Hospitals and long-term care homes and the actual staff that work there, that's a big market that no one actually looks at. And I'm glad you mentioned that. And other people are like, oh, we're going to rush into the game. Oh my gosh, there's so many nurses in the world right now. The healthcare system has expanded so rapidly after COVID because so much money poured in there. And they're spending less money on food, weirdly. They're spending more money on everything else, but less money on food when it's in the nutrition and the substance we need to survive, oddly. But that being said, because they're limiting those options, because companies like Sodexo have taken over both the patient meals and the cafeterias, the food is very industrialized. It's very, uh, what should I say, not very good. And it's like full of preservatives and, and things that aren't good for you. So as nurses, they're like, I'm better off ordering a burger or a fried chicken sandwich or anything that's fresh and getting my nutrition freshly than something that has no nutritional density left in it in my cafeteria, okay? That's also the other reason we're starting to see this is people are getting wiser about health and it just means fresher food, okay? And one of the things that you're doing, I love that you talked about making the chicken sandwich from scratch and your own um, coatings and marinades and, and toppings and, and everything because it does matter, um, it does matter. And your grilled chicken sandwich, the reason it sells so much is because people are aware of this, uh, in my opinion. So, Bella, you're an outstanding human. Uh, you're like a 40-year-old trapped in a 21-year-old's body. And uh, I know what that's like. I know what it's like to be mature beyond your years. Um, I know what it's also like to, to people to, been, to not realize that you, that, uh, what should I say here? How do I phrase this? that it's easy to be taken advantage of at a young age, uh, particularly as you're successful, but you have your head on straight. You have a very strong grandmother in your life. You have a strong father in your life who have given you balance. So I think that that's really, really important. Um, let's talk about stacking skills because I think it's something you do very well. You challenge yourself. You've done the food truck. Now you're doing the ghost kitchen. You're expanding the menu. You also understand what a team environment is. So like, if there's something you want to learn for the future or things that you feel you need to gain to become a better entrepreneur or a better food entrepreneur, like what are some of those things like you're looking to grow in or get a more understanding of? Um, I definitely like to understand um, the culinary aspect a little more. I mean, I'm a, I think I'm a very good cook. I'm not a chef. Uh, I never went to school. <laughs> 
So I, I never call myself a chef. I just call myself a pretty good cook. Um, I would like eventually to go to culinary school and kind of get a better gist of, you know, what I can mix with what. And because um, that's kind of been a struggle. It takes me quite some time sometimes to come up with these sandwiches because I'm always trying and I, I don't really have that like expansive culinary background um, besides Italian food. So it's been kind of a, um, a roadblock. And I've learned, I just hired um, a guy that did go to culinary school. He's a chef. And I've, in the two weeks that, you know, we've worked together, I've already learned so much from him. I didn't even know that you could scrape off a grill brick like to get more use out of it to clean the grill. <laughs> so I was just chucking out grill bricks. I had no idea. And he's like, you know, you can just scrape these off. So I definitely like uh, to get some more knowledge um, in the kitchen. And I'm so young. So experience is going to come with time. I still have a lot to learn. Um, by the time I'm 30, I'm probably going to know 10 times more than I do now. Um, also business experience. Um, I've only been up and around for almost two years now. Um, so again, everything that I want is going to come with time. And so I just have to be patient and keep learning and keep my ears open and just keep a lookout for everything. It's uh, it's really cool what you um, what your that mindset actually, and the humbleness of knowing what you don't know. And I 100% agree with you. I was I learned business. I was a good entrepreneur, and once I started working, like we brought in more professional chefs. Like we started in 1998, and we brought in more professional chefs around 2001, 2002 uh, to 2005 in my business. And I learned from them. The number one thing I learned from them was weirdly knife skills. Like how did knife? How do you cut properly? How do you move things properly? How do you get the staff to use a knife properly so they don't injure themselves? And to your brick point, like there's these little basic things that save so much money that help you reduce loss, that help you save like someone cutting their finger or finger getting jammed in something that you don't normally gain without it. I think one of the advantages that I have is I'm not traditionally trained in culinary arts. However, I have the experience and exposure to those that have been, so I'm able to filter it differently. That doesn't mean like I haven't taken some culinary classes and learned some culinary arts over the years, over the last 20 years, which I have done to, to just refine my skill set, to refine my understanding of particularly the way food chemistry works and the way ingredients work with each other and what happens in the combination of food and also what happens in the combination of the food in our body because different combinations of food actually combine different vitamins, minerals, and things and become super vitamins and minerals in our body when we combine them with other foods or spices or whatever, like any animal fat and rice uh, that, you know, fortified or not, but basically you really want non-fortified rice in your diet and you want to use animal fats, you know, burger, stuff like that in combination, it really helps the delivery of the fat to slow down for your body to absorb it so it's power for your brain. Just so everyone knows that's my understanding. I believe it to be true in my own experience. My brain functions better when I do things like this. And so, and I find things that help become super, super, um, 
nutritious in my diet for lack of a better term and I don't I refer to it as a lifestyle it's the way I eat all the time it's not a diet it's not something I do here and there so whole foods good foods most of the time even when we're talking about here with the burgers chicken anything that's made from scratch they're all good for you so um, they're better for you than something that's been sitting on a shelf for a long period of time so or frozen in a box from like a US Foods or a Cisco that a lot of restaurants serve that's why entrepreneurs like Bella and what she's doing are so important because she's like bringing things back to the basics back to the beginning and that's why I love doing this interview because your grandmother's influence your father's influence your your willingness to learn and grow what would you say like let's talk about like how do you know you're having a successful day or a good day how do you know when things aren't going well like how do you gauge that in your business because I get a lot of questions from the audience like how do you gauge in food when you're doing the same thing over and over again and you know money is an issue but you know successful days don't necessarily mean that you're making money and bad days don't necessarily mean you're not making money so how do you gauge your success in your business how do you feel like today is a win um, that day or that food truck gathering was a win um so weather uh, does have to play a big part in those food truck nights and uh, public event sales and festivals and events um, but we do do a lot of private work for the week um, so I'm usually able to gauge by like the last case of how many um, things I need for the week um, but what's what's a win in my book really isn't about the money all the time. If I have a slow day and even if I can make 10 great interactions, you know, beyond transactions and giving out cards and, you know, just seeing how happy people are and just being able to put a smile on somebody's face through my food, that's a win to me. That, that really is. That's a great day. Um, if we can sell a few hundred burgers in the process, that's great too. But um, just seeing people enjoy the food and be satisfied and come back for more. And some of them do come back in the same night. Uh, some come back three or four times. And I, I don't understand how they eat three or four sandwiches, but I'm all for it. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that's honestly... Um, what makes me successful and what makes me think I'm successful is making everybody happy through my food. Yeah, I, I'm really, you're so spot on and I agree with you. It's unusual the three or four times it is um, a testimony to how good your food is. I would say also how uh, uh, tasty it is and, and how that sort of works for you. Um, and you're, what I'm going to talk about is your service uh, a little bit. So let's talk about the mentality there, like how your customers, like your employees, because I think you obviously have a good mindset. You have a good set of staff, even though it's very hard to have employees today because they're, they're very rare to find good ones, let alone any of them that exist in the business. It's hard. It's like a recruiting nightmare. But um, talk to me a little bit about that. Like how do you... Um, how do you, you know, how do you, I don't even know, what's your philosophy on sort of your customers and that relationship and sort of what's your philosophy on your relationship with your employees or team members? So I always, as 
most businesses do. I always want somebody to feel welcome um, coming up to my truck. Whether they we close at 9 and they order at 8.59, I always, like, I never want them to be scared or deal with um, food customer service. I'm usually in the background um, making the burgers, um, but when I can be up there um, taking orders, I always make sure that I have a smile on my face and that I make conversation, ask them how their day was, if they have any questions for me. If they want to take two minutes, three minutes to take their order, when I have a line, they are more than welcome to have a conversation with me. Um, the service is part of what you're paying for on the truck. So if you're paying um, $15 for that burger and fries, uh, you're not only just paying for the product, but you're paying for the entire experience. Um, my dad is usually at the window, and he's a much better talker than I am. Um, he he knows how to uh, <laughs> carry a conversation a little bit better, uh, kind of get a little bit shy sometimes. Um, but we always make sure that they feel like they're at home. And that's super, super, super important to me. And as far as my staff goes, um, I try to be as fair as I can. Um, we're pretty, we like to have fun, laid back environment, but we get our work done. Um, if you know what I mean. And, um, they, I can't speak more highly about my staff because the two or three people I have, they're just awesome. And they're so willing to jump in and help out with anything that I need. And it, it's just been a great ride with them and they make my life and my job so much easier. Um, than it needs to be. Love it. This will be my last question for you. Um, and then definitely I'm going to send out uh, a text in the next few days. I'd love to do a part three because we only got about halfway through our questions that I send you, if that's okay with you, Bella. Sure. And so what are the things you enjoy the most about your business right now? What are the things that really, when you get up in the morning, that excite you and, and motivate you and inspire you to keep going, to, quote unquote, to work and keep working on your business and in your business? So um, I love to cook. It's like my number one passion. So even on my days off, I mean, if you want me to cook, okay. <laughs> You know, it's never been an issue for me. Um, that's like one of the number one things that gets me up in the morning. Um, I'm usually up at five or six o'clock and I won't go to bed until midnight. <laughs> um, and I love doing the prep work. I love cooking. I love um, interacting with customers all day. It's just great. And you kind of get that one-on-one, -on -one, even if you're in the back in the kitchen, because um, typical restaurants, you know, they can't see what you're doing. You're in another room that's completely closed off from any customer interaction. So it's great to be able to, like, stick your head out the window and say hi to a regular or um, whatever you need to do if they have a question. Um, for the window person about the food, I like to answer it. You know, that way they get that one-on-one -on -one with me. Um, it's... Honestly, it's not that hard to get up in the morning when you love what you do. Um, so I'm always motivated um, to do more and to do better and to keep learning. 
And I learn something every day, even from other trucks, from other restaurant owners, um, from other entrepreneurs. I love this. And I kind of lied because now I just have another question that I just want to teeter off of this. Um, and and then we'll we'll sort of move on. But what would you say are the things you've learned the most from others outside of the three individuals we talked about before? But you talked about the food game. You talked about your passion for it. I want to anchor that for the audience. Um, you know, you probably work more than 40 hours a week because you love it. You don't even notice you're doing it. I think that that's important. And setting an expectation for anyone who wants to be a food entrepreneur, you're working 80 hours a week whether you like it or not. But you don't notice it if you love it. And even when you love it, you still figure out, even with 80 hours, how to make time for your family and friends and stuff like that weirdly. Um I just know I love what I do, and I spend 80-plus hours a week doing what I do, plus doing a lot of research, like I said, in the delivery game, and I'm doing a lot of research into donuts and pizza and bakery and delis right now because I'm just interested in those businesses quite a bit as I go on to my next chapters in life. But what would you say um, you've learned the most from others outside of the three individuals that we talked about? Um. Honestly, um, my ability to uh, bake burgers and chicken sandwiches and um, you kind of learn tricks and stuff online as well about um, a trick of even frying an egg. <laughs> um, I'm on TikTok a lot um, in my meantime and a lot of cooking things pop up on my page. So I've learned a lot of stuff um, through research and um, through myself. Love it. And that's, that's kind of, that's how, so, sometimes that's how I have to do, like I have to see it myself and I have to uh, try it out, and test it out uh, to start doing it or to start realizing. Sometimes I'm kind of stubborn, but I try to keep my ears open uh, 99% of the time. I like this a lot. Um, where can they find you online, Bella? Where can they find you personally? Like, what's your Instagram, your social media, and what's your website and things like that? Um, so the quickest way to find us online would be going um, to www.rockinburgers. That's R-O-C-K-I-N burgers, um, M-A dot com. And my Facebook and my Instagram are rockinburgers. Again, that's R-U-C-K-I-N burgers dot M-A and uh, my Instagram is my personal Instagram is um, Bella that's B-E-L-L-A dot Musco that's M-U-S-C-A-L Very cool. Thank you so much for taking the time on here. Um, I would say one of your core values and one of your character um, things that I think is one of your superpowers and gives you huge integrity is your patience. Um, just for the audience, like we had a lot of stumbling blocks with new soundboards here and, and we took a while to get started. And, and then we've had like, the soundboard like plugs in the phone and takes over the phone and the phone's hung up a few times while we're in the middle of recording. You guys wouldn't probably hear the difference, but I just want to point it out because your patience and your kindness and anyone, I, I believe in God, obviously, 
everyone knows that, but I believe patience equals love and love equals patience and the words are interchangeable in the Bible and in life. Like you want to love someone, give them patience to grow, give them the patience to work through whatever they're doing, give them the dignity to do it. And that what I mean by that is time is our most valuable resource, not money. And so that being said, I just think it is one of your superpowers. You have, an, at least for me, at least in our interactions, the last two episodes and, and trying to coordinate the getting on a part two and even the first part, like your patience is just outstanding and your loving nature uh, is outstanding. I also think you have, you have a fearless attitude, not in, not in that you're fearless of everything, but that your ambition and you you know that if you don't do something or don't try it, like the football thing we talked about, that you know you only get one one time to live and, and you've got to do it now, why wait? And I think there's just those two things that are inside of you that you may not realize, maybe you do, but I think for the audience, you know, there's a lot of people that get in their 40s and are just trying to figure out how to start their own business in food or in life. And it's because they didn't have patience, uh, which is weird because you're like, oh, they waited 40 years. Of course they had patience. No, patience is I'm willing to learn and grow at something and then go execute it. Or I'm allowing someone else to grow and get through something and, and then they can go execute it. Okay, changes in our life, growth in our life, etc. And then the other thing, like I said, is that ambition, that, that go-getter, that fearlessness uh, attitude, which so many people don't have, that is necessary to be an entrepreneur, that is necessary, really necessary to be in the food game, okay, and it's really necessary to grow a business, like you, you're literally on your second year of business, and you're growing into a ghost kitchen, that's phenomenal, so I just wanted to give you that compliment and my feedback, just because I think it's so important um, that the audience hears it, number one, and number two, that you know that I know that about you, or that I see that in you, so uh, thank you, Bella, for coming on the show. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me again. It was seriously a pleasure being here. Um, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and anyone who's listening in, in the audience, uh, you guys should go listen to Bella's first episode. It's literally ranked 11 of all time of all of our episodes right now in terms of downloads, listens, and feedback. Okay, like wow. we, we, we rate on all those things. And it's setting 11 out of the 340-some we've already released when we recorded this. Okay, so that's an impressive number, particularly because a lot of the other ones are much older episodes uh, that rank in the top 10. We have a few that aren't, that are newer or bigger companies or have multiple stores. Okay, so they have a lot bigger audience or they have 560,000 followers. So they might do a little bit better on these type of podcasts, but that's an impressive number, Bella. And at 21 years old, you're one of our top 20 podcast episodes ever released. So I didn't want to say it at the beginning, and I'm not trying to gas you up, but I just want you to know here's a trophy for today. It's the win for today. You'll have to start all over tomorrow, and this episode, will, will, I'm sure, will do well also based on your first episode because part twos always tend to do better than part ones and so on and so forth weirdly when we start telling the story that's why i do it a lot of people are like why do you have more your guests on your episodes more than once i'm like um why don't you why don't continue telling the story why don't continue relaying the information but apparently i'm always the odd duck uh the 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 black swan if you will so it is what is black sheep i guess and um so 
one, congrats on that. I think that's a huge accomplishment considering we've been doing this podcast for five years. So a lot of people have had a lot more time to get a lot more downloads than you. And number two, um, it's a testimony to how relatable you are, how many people are inspired and motivated by you. And at a young age, I think we, we don't want it to go to our heads. We need to remain humble, right? But at the same time, you already have this humility. You already have this passion. You already have this drive. And you're well grounded in your foundation. So, again, it's a testimony to, to who you are and the business you're building and your family and all of those things. So, congrats. You know, here's your trophy for today. Get a new one tomorrow because uh, the wins are only temporary, as we know. you got to keep winning every day. But I wanted to say thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. Again, thank you for your patience. And uh, I love everyone in the audience. If you like this episode and you, you're a fan of Bella's or you're a fan of this episode, give comments, guys. Give it a five-star review or the highest review you can give in whatever platform you're listening into. Hopefully it's Spotify, but that doesn't mean we're not on the other ones. Okay, we're on all, we're syndicated across the world on all sorts of different podcasts. Um, uh, I don't even know what to call it, podcast channels. And so go out there, find it, give us good reviews, give it a five star, particularly this episode, because it helps the episode do well. The better those reviews, the better the algorithms do to share those episodes around the world, as we're seeing in over 139 countries. So I appreciate everyone. I love you guys again. You can find me and this show on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. You can find me personally at Justin Bizarro. Again, that's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R. I am on, on Instagram. I am on Facebook. And I am on threads. I do not do TikTok. I can't. I haven't gone that route yet. I've, I've been trying to conquer one at a time. Facebook's my largest and growing. Instagram, I'm still working on. Um, and obviously, threads is new for everyone. So... I used to do Twitter, but I like threads a lot more. I wish I liked Twitter more, but it's just I don't function as well. It's not as easy uh, for me. So maybe I'm old, but that's just the way it is. Uh, And again, I'm going to stop talking. Thank you, everyone, for listening in, and we're out.